All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to see that the British are winning some gold medals in the Olympics. Amen. Now, we got to move the Chinese out so we can have the British and the Americans in the top two positions. Should we pray? Um, but no, it's been fun. I thought the opening uh, part of the Olympic uh, ceremonies was outstanding. We watched it in the States and we all were proud to know you. And so, yay, I thought it was great. Because I heard all these rumors like, I don't know, but you did a great job. And putting Mr. McCartney at the end is just perfect. It's British. No place else in the world has the Beatles but you. So praise the Lord. Enjoy your culture. All right, hallelujah. Amen. My goddaughter is here. Stand up, Miss Beautiful. This is Layla. She's with me this morning. Give her a good hand if you would. Thank you. And um, we're always glad to have her. I remember when she was real small. I actually remember when she was about this big. You could hold her. A little bit bigger than football size, but I remember. And, um, but you grow up, and I think she wants to be a preacher. I'm praying for that angle. So, you know, her, her grandfather and grandmother brought full gospel businessmen's uh, ministry to the UK the very first time. So before there was the full gospel business going in the, in the States, he came over, got enthused and brought it back here and birthed the full gospel businessmen. Then they also, when the Word of Faith movement started, her grandparents was the ones that brought in all the Brother Hagin's books and Word of Faith teaching books, and they helped pioneer that into the country. And so I think it's heritage you kind of follow through in some way. Amen. But um, I'm glad to be a part of the family. Uh, I'm distant but close. I don't know how that works, but I'm, you know, God, Godfather. I think of the movie. You know, I still don't know what a Godfather does, but I hope I'm a good one. All right. Open your Bibles to Psalms 35. I want to talk about money today on a Sunday morning. Is that okay? Is that all right? All right. Because y'all need some, right? All right. The reason why I want to talk about it, because sometimes we let things slip that need to be reminded of. And for you that are here for the very first time, it may be the first time this type of biblical understanding gets sown into your life. When you read the epistles, uh, Peter and Paul, you'll find this phrase quite often. I put you in remembrance. I remind you. And so in the early church, the apostles ministry, part of it was what I call a reminder ministry to remind them of what they've been taught, what they know, uh, because things come into people's lives where they let go of things or it does not stay as active as it should be. And that's why we get to remind you, not because you're in sin or you did something bad. It's because you get busy or things come into your life and you need to be reminded of certain things. And sometimes when you're in a place where the winds are contrary to your position and where you're going, you need to have the reinforcement of the Word of God uh, in your life so that you can keep standing against the contrary winds and you outlast the winds of contrariness. Amen? You're going to win. Something good is going to keep happening to you and your family. Amen? God, God is a good God and He has no mood swings. He's not bipolar and He's not on Zoloft. He's the same way morning, noon, and night in the good times and the bad times of our life, and we can trust Him. Amen? Psalms 35, you found this? This is my favorite verse of, uh, in the book of Psalms, or really my favorite prosperity verse. Let me find it here because I lost my faith. There it is. Psalms 35, verse 27. All my graduates should know this. Verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy 
Heaven is not a quiet place, nor is our God a quiet God. Our God likes noise and loudness and life. Amen? So if you think you're going to heaven and it's going to be quiet, you have a rude awakening coming. Because there'll be dancing and partying for at least a million years. At least on my side of heaven, okay? Uh, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say all the time, the Lord be magnified or praise Lord all the time. Now here's the part that I want you to underline in your Bibles if it's not underlined. Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God does not get mad when Kensington Temple people prosper. He gets happy. God does not get upset when anybody in his kingdom prospers. Our God says he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. How many of you are God's servants? Then you should be prospering. I wish they'd have taught this to me when I was in Sunday school as a little boy, but I was pastoring my church in California when I finally found this verse. Can you imagine that? I'm, pa I'm pastor and I found this verse. I wish I'd have known it when I was 12 years old or 15 years old or even younger. And I could be further down the road. God does not get mad when you prosper. But who does get mad when you prosper? Other Christians that are professionally broke people who don't want to be involved in the prosperity side of God's message and redemption plan for us here on this earth. The devil gets mad. The devil never got mad at Michael Jackson for buying a giraffe for his backyard. Nobody in America got mad at Michael Jackson for having a chimpanzee with a little nappy on going through them all. But let a pastor, let a Christian get a new house, a new car, or something like that, and watch the temperature change in people's facial expression and color. Now that tells you if Mr. Jackson can buy a chimpanzee and go through the mall and no one gets mad and wants to take a picture and you get a new car or have a nice holiday or your investments really go good for you this month and they get mad, there's something wrong with this picture. Amen? So the devil does not mind if the non-Christians and the ones that the devil owns prospers. He gets upset when you prosper because you do good things with your money. You, take, you pay your bills. You bless God's kingdom. You do nice things to people around about you. You start doing good and it lifts up the nature, the character, and the kingdom of God. And it hurts the darkness and the chains of ignorance that the devil has portrayed that God is out in society. So God has pleasure when you prosper. Tell your neighbor, God likes when you prosper. If God likes it, then enjoy it. Amen? All right. Now, since we're there in the book of Psalms, let's go back to Job, the verse that I read to you during the offertory. And I want to read it again and take just a few more moments because I love this verse, first off, that it's in Job. Because Job is not the story of the broke, sick, dying man. His story is the man that God restored everything to better the second time around. So if you've gone through some type of bad things or tragedy in your life, don't give up. Don't blame God. Be Job's cousin and get it all back better next time around. Amen? But in the book of Job, we have this beautiful verse that I want to read to you. If, verse 11 of Job 36, if you will obey and serve him, the Lord... They will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. If you obey and serve the Lord. 
Now, there are many different ways you obey and serve the Lord. Giving is only one way that you serve and obey the Lord. Your intercession can be one. The things you do in your neighborhood and your job, the things you do at the church. Uh, all different kinds of ways that we serve God and serve humanity with the heart of God. All those are together. Giving is just one of those many ways. So how many are obeying God the best they know how? How many are serving God the best they know how? Now, some of you may have to rearrange your schedules because you become too occupied with other things. But everybody should do something for the Lord in their life. I know there's different seasons. You have more times than others. I understand that. But make sure they don't get so busy and have so many natural things that you're doing, you don't forget to give God a portion of your time, a portion of yourself, especially to serve in this great church. KT is one of those beautiful churches that you've been here for three weeks, they'll give you a job. They'll put you in a cell group, put you through leadership training and encounters, they'll get you all revved up to become a cell leader at least. Thank you for the one, yep, on the second row here. The rest of you, are you members of the church? Are you sure? All right, if you serve and obey the Lord, then they'll spend their days. Now take your British pen and underline that little letter S next to day. Days. Meaning more than one, meaning many of them. Days of prosperity. And then notice the next part of the verse. And their years, and take that pen and underline that little letter S. Years in pleasure. I like this verse. Days and years speaks of a lifestyle. Prosperity is not to be an event, it is to be a revelation that creates a lifestyle that begins to change your finances and how you live day by day. You keep coming up and increasing in your understanding and your receptivity. Days and years speaks of a lifestyle. Prosperity is not just to get you out of debt, but to create a lifestyle of abundant living and abundant giving. Amen? Now, years and pleasures may not always make good sense to us in the way we talk today. So let me give you this thought, or this, what I call the Lairdon translation, years of anxiety, stress-free living. That way your hair doesn't turn colors before it's supposed to. And that way stress doesn't work against your health, your mental stability, your social interaction, your family and child relationships. One of the great stresses of all of our life is financial stresses. And so God has a plan for us to prosper in two main ways, by the work that you do and by the giving and receiving that you operate in. Those are the two main ways that God has planned for you to economically do good while you're on this planet and enjoying it. Amen? And so we want to have days of prosperity and years of stress-free living. Can you say amen? amen. All right, hold, go to Proverbs chapter 10. Keep your Bibles out. We're going to look at verses. Because you can't fight the Bible that much. You can fight me, but you can't fight the Word. Proverbs 10 and verse 22. Good morning, everybody. You all got your Bibles or your little phones with the Bibles on it? All right. We, I see a pad over here. She's typing it in. All right. Proverbs 10 and verse 22 says, it's taking the Word and letting it talk to us and remind us today. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing 
The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, not broke, not surviving, or maintaining. Rich is abundance. Rich means to be fully supplied with what you need to live a quality life. I pastored for 27 years in a town called Irvine, California, in Southern California. It's about 20 minutes from where Mickey Mouse built his first house. And a little town next to Irvine is called Santa Ana. Now, if you were a Mexican person that had planned to come across the border illegally, you cross the San Diego border and you run to Santa Ana. That's your refuge city. Because if you get to Santa Ana, they'll take care of you. And they'll protect you and all that. So my church and my city was right next to Santa Ana. We'd go over and hand out food and do outreaches and, and bless the people we could. And you'd go into a single flat and there may be 25 people living in a single flat. Somebody rented the bathtub, that was their bed. Somebody rented the, the kitchen table and that area was for them and their family. So they just divided the house up and that's the way they lived. And when you'd go out in front of the flats and you'd see these nice big Jaguars or BMWs or these big nice SUVs, you know somebody in that building is doing something bad. Because they've only been here a few weeks illegally. The, the employment was different for them. So they were doing things with folks that could get you in trouble. And you go in their house and you see all these people and you, they might have their coat off and they'll have a gun back like they do on the cop shows. Or they might have it laying on the table. If you go in their bedroom where they all live, you know how the house is divided up, you'll see an Uzi underneath the pillow. That's called prosperity with sorrow. You've got money, but it comes with pain. It comes with somebody's wanting to take you out to take your position in that arena. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So when God blesses you, increases you, it does not come with a pain. It comes with joy. Amen. If God gives you a new car, beat the horn for a week. If God gives you a new flat or something, have a house party once a week for a month. Enjoy it. Say, so, well, I don't want my friends to think I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Let them know you're happy. Don't let somebody else's grumpiness take your joy away from your blessing. Amen. Thank you for the four claps on this side of the building up here. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah, if you would, please. Another verse. Isaiah 48 and verse 17. We're going to go through different verses here this morning to remind us of what God thinks, what God says about prosperity for you and for this great church. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God. Please know who he is. He's not one of the gods. He's the only God. Amen. I'm the Lord thy God, which teaches you to profit. He teaches you to do what? To profit. To make a profit. To profit in your life decisions, in your financial decisions. Our God teaches us, if we'll listen to him, how to prosper. Naturally and spiritually. I'm the Lord thy God, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, that teaches you to profit. 
Now put that in your British pipe and smoke it. Think about it for a while. He teaches you to profit. Not to survive, not to maintain, but to profit in your life. And he goes on to say in this verse, which leads, you, which leads thee by the way that you should go. God will teach you to profit and tell you where to go. Some of you have been in the land of wonder, wonder for too long. I wonder where I'm supposed to go. I wonder what I'm supposed to do. Wanderers end up nowhere but dead. They end up nowhere but in suffering. He'll teach you to profit and lead you where you should go. Now, where you should go and where the group goes may be two different directions. But be willing to go where God tells you to go because his blessing will be there, his protection will be there, his provision will be there, and your new happy friends will be there to welcome you. Amen? We need to have a good old-fashioned deliverance meeting and get you free from goofy people out of your life so God can give you good people to enjoy, good people to fellowship with, and good people to hang with in your life. Because who you hang with affects you. Amen? Thank you. You're getting more livelier now. Thus saith the Lord. I'll read the verse again. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God which teaches thee to profit teaches you to profit, teaches you, shows you how to profit, and which leads you by the way that thou should go. Hallelujah. We don't live a casual life. God has a great plan for our lives, and we'll follow it from our heart. Every season, we'll be filled with the right people, the right provision, the right fun, the right experiences, the right favor, God is on your side. He is out to give you a great life. Amen. The whole world can shake, but if you're following the Lord, you will not shake. You'll profit. You'll prosper. You'll have the things that you need in all aspects of your life. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms 112. Read a few more verses in the Old Testament before we go to the New Testament today. Psalms 112. Now, I like this one a lot. Psalms 112 and verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the person that feareth or reverences the Lord, and that that person's delight is great in his commandments, or you enjoy living out what he's told you how to live. His seed or his children shall be mighty in the earth, and the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Now, if you just stop there, that's a great place to have. But if you haven't liked all the other verses I've read, you aren't going to like this one because this one's really blunt. Verse 3. Wealth and riches shall be in his or her house, and his or her righteousness shall endure forever. Now, take your gospel pen and underline the words, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Wealth and riches shall be in the house of the one who delights in the commandments of the Lord, who reverences God. His children shall be great. I'm a product 
of my grandparents and great grandparents' faith. I'm their seed that is great in the earth. I'm louder than all of my other ancestors put together for the gospel in more ways than one. But that's a part of the promise. Because as far as we can see in our family, they've all served the Lord in the light that they had in their generation. They served God. They prayed. They gave. They worked. They did. All the way down. And it causes the generations to come to get stronger and louder and more forceful and more blessed. And I like it. I'll take it all. Amen. Let grandma and grandpa's blessings take me over. And bless me in my comings and my goings. Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. Now this is a humdinger of a chapter. If we had time, it would take about three weeks to teach it. But let me just read you some of it from Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if, 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 you shall hearken diligently, give special attention to the word of the Lord here. If you'll give diligence to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all of his commandments that I've commanded or taught you this day, the Lord thy God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Well, that's not just an egotistical place. That's called above all their problems. Like the economic woes of the Western world right now. And these blessings, take your pen and see that little letter S, not blessing, blessings. More than one, many of them, shall come on you and shall overtake you if thou shalt hearken to them to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed thou shalt be in London, and blessed shall you be out in the little villages of London. Blessed, 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 blessed. You can't curse me. I'm blessed. And all the witch doctors do their doohickey. I'm still blessed. Let all the crazy people curse me, give me bad prophecies. I'm still blessed. And you are too. So don't be scared of bad prophecies or curses or all the witch doctors. Just shout and dance in their face. I'm blessed coming and I'm blessed going. I'm blessed here. I'm blessed there. Ha ha ha. I'm blessed. Some of you are scared of some of those people. I'm going to put a curse on you. Don't work. It can't work. It bounces back and comes back to you. I hope you like that. Come on, live the abundant life. Live the protected life. Live the blessed life. You're all right. You're not crazy. You're blessed. You're protected. You're undergirded. God is on your side and you're on his side. Mm, I feel like I can go home now. I preach real good. <laughs> Verse 3. Blessed thou shalt be in the city. Blessed you shall be in the field. Blessed shall the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of the cattle, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of the sheep. Blessed in thy basket, in thy storehouse, in your checking account and your savings account. Amen. That's the translation for that today. Do you have your Bible out? Do you have a Bible there? Well, look. Make sure I'm reading it right. I can miss it. Look. Read the Bible, because when I'm gone, it's what's in your house. Amen. Verse 6, 
Blessed thou shalt be, and thou comest in, and when you go out, just blessed. Hallelujah. Now, I love verse 7. All my enemies, watch me. Listen. 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 If you're in the room, run. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against you to smite you before thy face. They shall come out against you one way and leave in seven different directions. Hey, you better watch. You better like me or you have to run seven different directions. There goes the cat, the dog, the kids, the car, the house, and you. Just believe it. Just take it as the truth. My enemies better be careful. The enemies of KT better be careful. The enemies of your life better be careful. If you don't like us, shut up and ignore us. You better not touch us because this Old Testament promise still works in the New Testament. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He stands as my guard and my shield and my protector. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord, verse 8, shall command the blessing upon me in my storehouse. And all that said is my hand to do. He shall bless the land which the Lord thy God has given me. So if you receive me, and that's my land you get blessed too. Hallelujah. Blessed, coming and a-going. Protected, coming and going. You're not out here by yourself. You're not alone. God's with you. And he's after you. Amen. Let's go to the New Testament now. Let's go to a passage you all know very well. Luke chapter 6. Jesus said this. That's better than Paul and Peter put together. Paul and Peter's good, but Jesus is a whole lot more better. He's the Savior. Luke 6, my Bible has it in red. Has yours got a red letter edition? That's how the translators wanted you to know that Jesus was speaking. In Luke 6, 38, a verse that I'm sure most of you are familiar with, but let's listen to it again. And you that are here for the first time to hear this, open up and receive. Give and it's gone forever, never to be seen again. Is that what it says? Are you sure? Did you see? Are you sure? Is it behind me? All right, what does it say? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Who's the you? The one giving. So if you're not giving, it don't work for you. Notice the one said amen. <laughs> Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall angels bring parts of the golden street for you to cash in on earth. Say what it says? No. Angels... Don't bring heavenly blessings like that to you. The Bible says, Jesus said, that men shall give into your bosom or to your life. It didn't just say Christian people. God can use non-Christian people too. And when they start to bless you, here's what you should do. Take it. If they open the door, walk through it. If they open a window, crawl through that too. Amen? That men shall give back into your life. Not just Christian people. Anybody. There's not a differentiation here. Mankind. But here's the part where people get nervous. 
For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. You determine your harvest by how you sow. That's up to you. That's up to you. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let's go to Philippians for a moment. Because when you talk about prosperity and finances, there's always somebody in the audience or watching or later when they buy this DVD, they're home drinking their cup of tea discussing my sermon. They pause and go, so I'm talking to you as well as those that are here. You okay? Praise the Lord. All right. They want to know, is this money thing an American idea that some American, because he was on television, dreamed up to get money out of you? That is said a lot. I know you don't say that because you're so holy, but there might be just one or two that think that way here in this crowd. But when we talk about money, there's always those that say, well, was the prosperity thing just dreamed up? And so we always like to go back to the original. Go back to the beginning of the church. What was the early church doing? Whatever they were doing, we should be doing. However they lived, we should live. How they believed, we should believe. Because we believe, and it's a fact, that the closer you are to the original birth of something, the more accurate it is in its understanding, lifestyle, and disposition. So when you read Philippians 4 and verse 15, Paul is writing and he says this, Now you know, now you Philippians know also, that in the beginning of the gospel, take your British pen and underline the phrase, that says, in the beginning of the gospel. When was it? In the beginning. So it was not thought of 100 years ago, 400 years ago. It was in the beginning, as we read. I departed from Macedonia, and no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent to me once and again to my need. Not because I wanted the money. It helped, not because I wanted the money, but I desired fruit that may abound to your account. So the preaching of seed time and harvest was being preached, believed, and practiced then in the early church. So it is not something that somebody 50 years ago from England or America or Africa or someplace else dreamed it up to milk cash out of you. It is a principle that God established in the beginning of the gospel to get money to you and to finance the gospel around the world. When you give, you activate the laws of prosperity that open the doors for it to come into your life. You say, then why do we have to give first? It cuts out the greedy people. Amen. Greedy people don't give. They tip at Easter, Christmas, funerals, and weddings. That's when they tip and they give their whatever they give to God. So you conquer greed by giving. By tithing and giving, you conquer it right there. So you cannot operate in the laws of prosperity and be greedy because you've already crossed the spirit of greed by giving first out of your need. Amen. Does that make sense to everybody? Amen. So when they say, well, you're just one of those prosperity preachers. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am a prosperity preacher, morning, noon, night, and Christmas. <laughs> Do not apologize for it. Accuse me of that great blessing. I was preaching in Southern California at a church who didn't believe much of anything. And I don't know why they invited me, but I don't know why I went, but I went. And I was preaching like this. And they all started having faces, and they weren't happy faces. 
I think we should have a camera sometime that shoots the crowd. That while we're preaching, we show your face so we can see what we have to endure for an hour sometimes. Because there's some happy people there's like... And we should give you a close-up right here on the screen so everybody can see what we, the nice preachers, have to endure for 45 minutes. And they do all types of communications the whole time you're preaching. So the first thing you to overcome as a preacher is the faces of people and the body slams they do at you while you're preaching in the spirit. We're like, mm, mm, I don't like that. Mm, I don't like that. And they throw it back at you. So I've learned to pick it back up and throw it back. So that's why I do what I do sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this lady came walking down the aisle after I got done speaking. You can tell when folks didn't really like you, they don't come up and say hello and talk to you afterwards. They all just leave you by themselves. But this one lady came squishing down the aisle. And I could tell by the way she was walking, she did not like me. And I thought, well, let's have some fun. If you're going to torture me, let's have some fun. So I could tell she wanted, it was one of those, I'm superior in the word personalities. She goes, I guess you're one of those health and wealth preachers. I thought, well, would you want me to be a poverty and disease preacher? I'll pray for you and you'll go broke in 30 days. Receive. <laughs> then I have a, a sickness ministry. Mm, bam. And you start, your hearing goes bad. Your eyes go out and be blessed. I feel it tonight. She's going to be kind of strange. I said, you better be careful at what you say you're against because you're probably going to need what you're against. Jesus came that you might have life and it more abundantly, and that includes financial blessing. That's not the only thing, but it's included in that statement. Spiritual prosperity, social and family and all those things. And also includes, don't excommunicate some part because of your tradition. Well, so-and-so said, I don't care what so-and-so said. What did the book say? What did Jesus say? What did the book 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 say? That's how we birthed the Reformation, not by the opinions of popes and cardinals and dead people. We went, the book, I stand on the book, Martin Luther said, unless you convince me by chapter and verse that I'm wrong, I will not change. Please act like him and go to the book. But the laws of giving and receiving were taught from the beginning of the gospel and they work still here today. Reminding you that these are principles that are for you to operate in. One more passage and we'll close. Second Corinthians chapter 9. These are verses that many of you know, but I wanted to give them to you again this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And there's so many more we could talk about. Are you enjoying this yet? Yes. No one's died. Isn't it wonderful? This message has not killed anybody. It might have helped set you free. Amen. Well, I just don't believe it. Then you won't receive it. What you don't believe don't happen to you. And this has nothing to do with your salvation. Salvation is determined by your belief in Jesus Christ and accepting him. This is one of the benefits of being in the Christian family. 
that if you'll operate in what the word says, it can happen to you. This has nothing to do with the security of your salvation or your heavenly home when you leave this world. This is a blessing that works for you while you're here. You don't need this when you get to heaven. You need this while you live in London. Amen? That's where you need it. God already has a health plan in heaven called nobody sick. God has a health, uh, has a home or a, a place. Everybody's got a home and it's paid for. And there's no courts because no one's mad at each other. It's kind of a nice place to go, but you're not there yet. You're here. So these are the spiritual laws you can activate for your life to help you out. Last verse here this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. I know you've read it, but let's read it again. But this I say, the person that sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He or she that sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. You determine your harvest by how you sow. But let me add this thought to this scripture. Because sometimes we don't understand what bountifully and sparingly is in a person's life. That is different for each person. There's a story in the book, in the book of uh, Luke where Jesus is sitting up against the treasury in the church, the synagogue. And he's watching people give. Remember the story? And there was those who were well-to-do and they brought their offering and they gave it to the synagogue. And then there came a woman that brought her little bit and that's all she had. Jesus knew what that seed meant to that person's life. In the natural, 50 pounds compared to five pounds are two different amounts. 50 pounds to 5,000 pounds are two. Our mind says the 5,000. In the natural, that's true. But God doesn't operate in natural view. God looks at what you have, what you do with what you have, and he knows what your seed means to your life. So bountifully and sparingly is all relative to where you are, and God understands that. That 50 pounds or 5 pounds may be somebody's 50,000 pounds. Does that make sense? So don't ever be ashamed of what you sow. No matter what it is, God understands what your gift means to your life, receives it with that understanding, rejoices over it with you, and then he said he'll cause a harvest to come back into your life. But some of you sometimes are embarrassed sometimes of a seed because it's not as big as this or as big as this person's or something that you know. Remember, God understands you. He understands where you're at. I had a Rama student travel with me a couple summers and um, his wife was going to Orbit University and he was traveling during the summer helping me with my books. I was traveling around America and he kept putting money in the bucket all the time. And I knew how much money he was making because I was paying him. And it wasn't that much, to be honest with you. It was just what we had agreed to. And I knew what his expenses were because of his wife and all that. So I, I knew a little bit of the story. And so I was nosed. I leaned over one day and said, how much you giving? I know that was rude, but I do that sometimes. And, um, and, and he opened his hand up. He had a nickel, which is five cents, and a couple of pennies. I said, great. And then a couple of other nights, I said, let me see. It was a quarter and another nickel. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I can't afford not to put something in all these different fields that we're out here. One of my blessings is I get to plant seeds in all these churches for our future. Well, I, you know, it wasn't a lot what we'd count, but it was a lot to him. God understood that. A few years go by, 
and I'm out traveling, and I keep seeing his face of he and his wife on the little mission boards in some of these churches. And uh, he, went, he went as a missionary from America to South Africa. And uh, his face kept showing up. So I kept going and said, who's this? Like I didn't know who he was. I said, who's this? They knew his name. They knew what he was doing, he and his wife. And I said, are you supporting him? And they go, yes. I said, how much? See, I was rude again. How much? And sometimes they would tell me. I calculated for three months. He was making about 20-some thousand a month from the churches that would tell me. And I thought, go, bro. <laughs> and part of that, I believe, came from the time when he was traveling, putting those 17 cents, 6 cents, 30 cents, those things. God understood his principle, his heart. And I want to tell you, don't ever be ashamed of what you do with God. Because it'll turn little into much. And God honors it. So don't hold your seat because it's not the big money or not the, the large stuff. God knows what it is. So be encouraged to keep those laws of giving active in your life. Even if it's a few pennies. If it's a couple pounds. Don't be embarrassed. God knows what it is. And he will bless you. He will bless you. He will bless you. He will help you. Amen. Now, I know my president and your government tries to do everything for us. But they're all going broke. Our God has no broke economy. Our God does not go up and down. He only goes one way up. Yes. And we operate in his laws of seed time and harvest today. You gave this morning. KT is a giving church. You give to people. You give to missions. You give, you give, you give your time. You give. Remember to expect a harvest. I need to close. But let me just say this in my second closing. Brother Roberts, I don't give to get. And I rebuke you. That's not scriptural. If the Bible said just give, then fine. But it did not say that. What a person sows, they shall reap. So it is scripturally sound to expect the harvest on what you sow to come in your life. It is not a violation of a moral center. It's not a violation where you're giving to get in the wrong attitude. It is scriptural that what a person sows shall come back into their life. So stop this false humility and start doing Bible stuff and expect your harvest to come into your life. Expect it to come into your hand. Amen. I get up every day and the way I release my faith every day is I, when I look out the window or I'm walking down the street, I start looking for stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but however you release your faith, release your faith. You might do it at Starbucks when you're drinking your Starbucks on the way to work. You do, you sing a song or whatever you do to release your faith. I look for my doors and my blessings. That's how I release my faith. Oh, Robert said this, miracles are coming to you or by you every day. And what brings them to you is you expecting them to come in your life. So get up every day or some of you twice a day or whatever you want and sing a song or pray a prayer or look at the sky and look for it to be open and come unto you. However you release your faith and expect your financial miracles, your favorite acts of God. Expect them. And when it comes, take it. Amen. Take it. Amen. Or Robert said to me, I asked him, I said, you've prayed for Americans and been in ministry more than I've been alive at that time. I said, what's the problem that you see? He goes, Americans and most Christians have the giving down, have a hard time receiving. So I'll leave you with this point. Especially at KT. 
You're a great giving church. Continue in that passion. Continue with that reputation. Increase it. But let's learn to expect what the word promises to happen. And let's learn how to receive. If somebody opens a door, walk through it. If somebody gives you something, take it. If somebody offers it and it's yours, say, yes, amen, it's mine. Amen. If they give you a car, beat the horn. If you have a new flat, have a party. If you got a new dress, wear it down the aisle of the church. Enjoy it. Amen. Stand up. I got to go. Hallelujah. Well, glory be to God forever and forever. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. I heard that last week uh, our great pastor praise came here and talked about the seed. Remember the green envelope? I want to remind you, if you didn't get the green envelope, go by and get one and get his message about planting a seed. And it's a very great message. I want to remind you about that today. Uh, My books are out there on special for you today, but guess who's preaching tonight? Are you sure it's me and not a ghost? I'll be preaching tonight. I'll be preaching next Sunday morning at 9 and 11. And then next Sunday night at 5 and 7, Dr. R.T. Kendall's coming. And that's a great thing. Amen. Pastor Colin is on a mission. Are we glad our pastor's out doing the gospel everywhere? Amen. So we're going to bless him and pray for the teams that are out there and know what's coming. Let me pray for you now. Amen. You ready? Praise God. Father, we thank you that you're a God of spiritual things and natural things. We thank you that you'll turn every situation that is bad into something good in our lives. And Father, this church is sown, the people of this church is sown, and I respectfully remind you of the words that we've preached and others that we did not have time to read, that you promise that what a person sows, it shall come back in their life, in finances, opportunity, fear, all the different ways it comes. Let their harvest come into their hands. Let money that is owed come unto them. Let new ideas come to them. New streams of income come to them. Father, bless this church. Bless each person. Bless our satellite ministries around the city. Prosper them and prosper their members. We thank you, Lord, that we live in your economy. And we're blessed in our coming and our going. And we thank you for all that you will do in all these ways for us, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Give God one more good shout. God bless you.